See, yeah, you gotta have hey, you gotta have honest criticism in your friends. Yes. If they can't yeah. if no one can tell you the honest truth, it's like, how do I know I'm getting any better? Yeah, and some of my friends are just a pain in the butt too. So that's <laughs> that's always helpful. All right, welcome back to the Mac podcast where we talk about anything on follow the herd, entrepreneurship, business. Um, today I have a special guest with me who's actually been an affecting my life for 19 years, impacting everyone through this community. Um, He is, uh, I think, the staple of churches. No matter what religion you are, you can find like a super good message every Sunday at Hope Church. And I, and it's, and it's changed who I was at 15 years old. I got to visit with one of my girlfriends as a young boy, and I was a confirmed Lutheran. I got to go to a Hope. It's just a different atmosphere, a different culture. Um, I'm so grateful to have Pastor Paul with me today. Thank you. I'm you, thrilled to be here. This is exciting. Yeah, no. What a, what a great setting. And I actually, in a vague memory, I remember that little 15-year-old boy coming in. Do you? Yeah, and I, the uh, girl you're with, for sure. <laughs> they were fr- friends fair, of ours. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that family did a lot for me for finding my way in my faith and, yeah. and, and helping me just because my family grew up a little... A little rough around the edges, you sure. know. We weren't true followers. We, you know, it was just something. Uh, Creasters, I think they call them yeah. people, and 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 I, I just couldn't find my way. So they helped me really go every Sunday, kind of follow through the path of finding the message. Because when you go randomly, it's hard to get. Yes, it's hard to feel what's happening. Yeah. But I don't mind the Creasters, as yeah, you, you right. call them, the Christmas and Easter people, because uh, in, in sort of a way, that's the way I grew up. Like my okay. mother was every Sunday, right? She worked in our church growing up and stuff like that, but she was uh, wanting to have what you're talking about, that relationship, yeah. but she didn't quite have it. She was like trying to work it out. My dad was a holiday guy, okay. uh, would go holidays, but at some point, even because of the holidays and or because of what was happening in his family, it changed for him and he became a, a genuine follower of Christ. And so like when people like apologize to me, oh, I'm just here Christmas and Easter, like I come. Whenever, whatever, however you come, I, yeah. I think it's worth. Jesus is worth investigating. You guys have like the best Christmas pro. I mean, some of the you go all out. I yeah, mean, you that's do. The, that's you, the team. You that, you pour your love into that, and yeah. you got a big you got a big group over there now. Yeah, um, we're do, we're do, God's doing some neat stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think uh, Easter Sunday we were. 2,500 plus, and uh, that was fun. That's the first time we've been back uh, on our setting into our building in 10 years. Yes. You were at the Laris. We were at the Laris and the Chester Fritz. Yeah. Yeah. No. So how... uh, it's a lot of people to pack in there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, we're trying to figure that out for next year already. Yeah. Maybe we'll do different parking lots. Oh, Nine yeah. o'clock come this time or park over here, 11 o'clock over there, and then we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, you know, not every church can have a mall to have that much yeah. parking. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you that's, know. that's amazing. We, we have more parking than every church in the country, practically. <laughs> I, well, I want to talk to you about that because that's, uh, I think, I think you, as your entrepreneurial mind, like you, you understand business, you understand, you know, <laughs> delivering a great message every Sunday. So I'll, we're going to, we're going to break into that, but let's okay. get into like, how, how did you all come about this? Like what, like, let's talk about childhood, your story, like okay. what, what, what got you to where you are and what you're doing right now? So I'll say this up, up front. I actually believe God put me on a path. I okay. didn't, I didn't choose the path necessarily. I think God pursued me in a way that is beautiful. I grew up in Proctor, Minnesota. Uh, which is just outside of Duluth, town of about 3,000 people. Yeah. When I was in junior high, seventh grade, uh, my family moved out to our lake home uh, and built a house out there in okay. Hermantown area, which is, but still Proctor School District. Got it. Uh, my father and mother were both school teachers. And so we had every summer off. And so uh, we moved out to the lake June 1st, came home Labor Day weekend. I never saw our house in the town at all in the summer that I remember. I'm, I'm sure we went in there, but I don't remember at all. Wow. Like, I, I remember thinking a couple of years ago, like, who mowed our lawn in town? And I'm sure my dad probably drove in to do it. But, you know, so that I, and I have three brothers, uh, okay. two older, one younger. And we were, uh, like, spiritually, we were, like, people who did church, hung out at church. And uh, when I was in seventh grade, a guy named Andy and a guy named Pat told me they were praying for me. And I didn't really necessarily appreciate that. I thought, okay. what, what, 
what am I doing wrong? <laughs> Why do you have to pray for me? What, you <laughs> How know? old were you? I was seventh grade. Seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so Andy would turn around in class and talk to me about Jesus. And like, he talked about Jesus, like he really knew him. Right. And I thought, oh, I know about Jesus and I wanted to know more. And it was like a little bit like really cool, but weird. It's almost like Jesus lived at his house. Wow. And so it was like, he would talk to me and then he would tell me, I'm, pray- I'm praying for you guys and for you. And, and then when I was, in eighth grade, uh, he and another guy, Pat, uh, who owns a, his fa- family owns a construction company in Duluth or a uh, oh. concrete company. Oh, we had to get uh, together Ready Pat. Mix. Yeah, yeah. Ready Mix. Uh, Pat was sitting on the windowsill in our junior high, and I was walking down the hall, and he yelled my name, and he threw something at me, and I caught it, and it was a Bible. He threw me a Bible in front of all my friends, and he said, we marked some things for you to read in there. And I'm like, why again? Like, why would you do this in front of my friends, right? And so uh, they gave me a Bible, and wow. then I started thinking about it more. And I ended up at a, a a movie downtown Duluth, Minnesota, summer between eighth and ninth grade. And that summer, I had uh, made some choices that I knew that if there was a gut, like I uh, I broke into a beer truck and was stealing some beer, and uh, we got semi caught, I ran faster than a guy could catch me, so I got away, <laughs> right? And some things like that, and I realized, oh, if there's a God, I'm actually going to hell wow. because he has some standards, right? And there were some other things that we were involved in, my buddy and I, and so I went to this movie, and it, uh, a city councilman uh, named Robert Lapine Sr., I remembered his name from yeah. back then, and he got up at the end of the movie, it was a Billy Graham film called Time to Run, and he got up at the end of the movie and gave what's called an altar call. He said, uh, he gave his, told his story of how he came to faith. And he wow. said, at the end of this story, I'm going to invite you to come down and receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And it was like one of those things in the movie, wow. exactly like in the movie. Yeah. Right. And so he started talking. I stood up and started walking down. He actually told me, son, not yet. <laughs> that I need to get down there. <laughs> right. Really? So that I could actually feel God. And the prayers of all my friends, I had an aunt and uncle were her, who were Christ followers. And all, all of that kind of came to a moment, and I walked forward, uh, prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior, and literally, I, I, I didn't feel like there was a big wow. celebration. I didn't feel, hear symbols. I thought I did it wrong. I did that same kind of thing three or four to five times that summer. Like, every chance I could surrender my life to Jesus, I did. And then finally, one guy said, you know, you might not feel different tomorrow. Just start walking like a baby Christian and learn how to live for Jesus. And so wow. that's what I did. Right, and then wow. uh, so the same guy said, you know, find a place where you can learn about what the Bible teaches, and do that. And so I got involved with Pat and Andy, those guys, and a yes. bunch of other guys. We would meet every Monday night in a barn in Twig, Minnesota, with about a hundred other high school students. We would sing songs, open up the Bible, and learn and read, and it was literally life transforming for me. How, so how did Pat and Andy pull you out of the classroom, or they were classmates, and they and they just. Their commitment to Christ at that time was genuine and real. I'll be honest; I uh, I don't know if either of them are walking with Jesus today. Wow! But it was it was passionate for them, and that actually we had a whole cluster of kids in our school that were like full on devoted to Christ. Right. And we we would uh, my sophomore, junior, senior year, there was a prayer group we'd meet every morning in the morning and do little Bible reading, pray for our teachers, and then go to class. It, it was like, it wow. was all in. It was uh, the movie Jesus Revolution. Yeah. Are you, I don't know if you've I'm seen it. I'm not that. familiar, no. Yeah, so it's out right now, and it was during what's called the Jesus People Movement. Yes. And uh, God was doing some amazing things in the United States. That's the time frame that we're talking about, 1973, 74, when uh, Jesus was doing some amazing things. And so there was a wow. whole group of students. Uh, we were all in. Wow. And for me, uh, the relationship with Jesus stuck and it was real so how big was your how big was your high school what was uh, 242 students in my senior class okay so, so not are, not huge yeah decent size but, yeah. i'd say though and and yeah. so how many were you in this in this bible in, uh, in the morning study. bible study yeah uh it was probably 10 10 15 of gotcha. us that were all kind of the same age and then but the the monday night thing there was over 100 often at the bible study gotcha twig minnesota so the population of twig is 60 <laughs> on Monday nights was 160. Holy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where you'd all meet. Yeah. And, so I invited my mother uh, to, I told my mom, mom, there's one chaperone and there's like, a, cause we all are plotting 
trying to figure out how to help our parents come to faith in Jesus. So we'd be praying for our parents and stuff. And I thought, I'm going to bring my mom to youth group. And so I, t- I told my mom, there's 100 kids and there's only one chaperone, only one adult. And I looked at her, I said, that's not even safe. I said, why don't you come and be a chaperone? Yeah. And so she started coming to be a chaperone. We'd stop and get her cigarettes on the way up and stuff like that. And uh, she'll get mad at me if I for, for saying that. Uh, she's passed away now, so we're good. Okay, okay. <laughs> she, she, she could talk to the Lord about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'd stop and get her cigarettes, and I started bringing my girlfriend with me and stuff. And uh, she started listening and asking questions, and she as well started uh, became a Christ follower. Wow. And then my father when I was in college and my brothers as well. So our whole family went from a genuinely religious, nice Christian family, in quotations, you yeah. know, uh, to real followers of Jesus in wow. a period of about five or six years. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that, because I'm on the outside looking in. I'm not in Bible studies. Yeah. Um, like I said, I have a mentor, Ryan Pineda, that I follow, and he's doing Wealthy Kingdom, um, where they host more uh, Bible study groups. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and they can talk business. They can talk about Jesus. You know, I'm on the outside looking into some of these groups. What what would someone learn being in one of these groups? What is, what is your one of your biggest takeaways at a young age entering that that group? So one is I didn't really know the Bible, so we would actually open up passages and talk about what they mean. Okay. But the biggest thing for me was friendships and relationships that you gain being together in a small group, mm-hmm. like. Uh, like the morning Bible study or the the Wednesday or Monday night studies, and then I was involved in youth group at church too. Oh, okay, so th- you ended up identifying people who like understood and got you. And so, like if we'd walk down the hall and we'd see each other and we'd, you know, how you doing? And so you knew it was relationships, and you were walking together, not by yourself. And so it was so important. It was the friends and the relationships that helped keep me solid. My senior year of high school, I was ready to quit. Uh, not school, Just, my faith in Jesus. Oh, I was so... What happened? Uh, I had a girlfriend. Okay. Right? And I, she she had become a Christ follower as well. Okay. Uh, I wasn't going to parties. I wasn't hanging out with my other friends. Mm. And it was lonely. And I thought, I am sick of doing this and trying to be who I want to be and missing out on all the fun. And so I was ready, to, and it was my friends, my Christian relationships that Aww. stood by me through that time where I was ready to say, chuck it, you know? And gotcha. I, I didn't feel like I was in love with Jesus. I felt like it was more of a chore yeah, and more like something I had to do. And so again, that, that crisis moment, and I've had others since then where I thought, okay, I, I don't want to just go through motions. I want this to be real yeah. or I want to quit. And so at that moment, I was thinking of quitting, and a gal named Beth talked to me every day for like two weeks at lunch hour, and just, she didn't like pressure me. She just asked me, what's going on? You know, Mm -hmm. and she cared about me, and my girlfriend, my girlfriend said, you know, the way you're starting to act now, I don't know if I want to be your girlfriend anymore, because you're not acting like you normally do. And that's because I was sick of being who I was. You're on the fence. I wanted to play. I wanted to go out and I wanted to go get drunk. I wanted to go, you know, have sex. I wanted to do all those stuff that high school kids think about. Yep. Right. And, but I didn't really want to do that, but I did want to do that. I did want to, you know, so it was like walking through that time and having friends around me that I was honest with. That's what a a group does is it kind of holds you. It's same in business or in same in anytime you're stress striving for something. If you put people around you, that think like you, that want to help you yep. succeed, it makes all the difference in the world. And that's what that does. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's probably something when I, when I was younger, I, I just missed that. And, and I was probably on the other side of the fence, uh, uh, not having Bible studies only because yeah. it wasn't normal in my, you know, in my mind, I guess. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really normal. I mean, I'm talking about a cluster of kids, right. not our whole school, Yeah, but we were all in. Gotcha. Right? And so that was that was helpful for me. And still to this day, I have friends, go-to friends, yep. that when I'm struggling or when I'm uh-huh. wrestling with things, I have friends in ministry and I have friends uh, that are just local okay. right, that I go to and say, hey, I, I need to ask you some questions or I need you to pray for me. Yeah. Uh, I've been meeting with the same handful of guys for about 20 years. Wow. Every Thursday morning. Yeah. And, and not every, I mean, when we're in town and stuff like that, but guys that I know, know me. Right. And then when I'm blowing smoke, what I call Jesus smoke, when I'm acting more <laughs> faithful than I really am, okay, and call me out on that. Okay, yeah, you gotta have, hey, you gotta have honest 
criticism in your friends. Yes. If they can't, yeah. if no one can tell you the honest truth, it's like, how do I know I'm getting any better? Yeah. And some of my friends are just a pain in the butt too. So that's, <laughs> that's always helpful. Well, the five closest people around you are typically the people you're going to act like and, and who you're yes. going to become. Right. Yes. And, uh, I, you know, I try to continually, and, and it may change, which that was the hard part yeah. for you in school. You wanted yeah. to go to, with your buddies. I wanted to hang out with my friends. Uh, and actually, I was. By by the way, I just want to say this, the girlfriend that I was talking about is actually my wife today. Oh well, so, then hey, that, yeah, so that takes it a step further. We started though. dating in tenth grade. I, did, I was going to ask. Is yeah, that Bonnie. Yeah, that's Bonnie. <laughs> and uh, like hands down, most important person on earth for me. Yeah, and uh, protects me, loves me. Yeah, supports you, forgives sure. me, all oh. that stuff. Right? Yeah, we don't do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. Never do. I can't remember what I was going to say now. We were talking about uh, the five closest people. Yeah. Right? And who you surround yourself with really does matter. That's helpful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's shaped my life completely. I've had to, I've had to move from, you know, you have to lose some friends to gain a new kind of path and people you want to be like. And, And I, even for people that are lonely out there or like, hey, I can't, I can't find those friends that I that I'm like, that interests me and who I want to become, you know, there's, there's people online, there's people, there, there's influence out there that yeah. can help support you, you know, go hang out with Pastor Paul every Sunday. You're going to, you're yeah. going to hear his message. You're going to want to be, uh, you know, increase your faith. You know, and, and the, the, the idea of going to church, people think church is the answer. Yeah. But Jesus is the answer. Church is one of the vehicles that he uses. Okay. Right. And so like like when I when you say the the message and stuff, I actually believe what I'm talking about. I believe yeah. that Jesus is real. I believe that He rose from the dead. I believe that He forgives me for my sin. I believe that He loves me like enough to die for me. Yes, right. And so all of that is life transforming for me. I I, I I mentioned earlier, like I am absolutely sure that I deserve to go to hell. Right. If if the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life, mm-hmm. I deserve death. But Jesus gives me a gift. And that's that's what blows me away. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's I love awesome. That. Yeah. Uh, you you speak from the heart. I think uh, your 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 uh, <laughs> your messages, you how you present yourself, communication. You know, we're all jealous of how you deliver that. I mean, you you could tell you're right from the heart with most. Yeah. All your messages and. Yeah. I, I you know it's funny I I I was talking to a couple of our staff. This was a couple of years ago, and I classify myself as a B communicator. B. Not an A level. You're just B hard level. on yourself? Well, I don't know. Typical I, I think there's some amazing communicators in the world. Yeah. I, but the difference maybe is that I uh, like I actually believe what I'm talking about. So people can, like, I, I don't think I'm polished. I don't think I'm, like, I, I'm not the s- smartest guy, right? It, when I was in graduate school and seminary studying to be a pastor, yeah. uh, I looked at all those guys and I thought, oh, man. They're way more holy. They're way smarter. <laughs> they eat Greek for breakfast, you know. You know Greek language was New Testament was written in Greek. So okay, gotcha. We had, we had to study that and all that. All, and I, I look at it and I, oh, how am I going to do this? And I, God just, God grabs the foolish things of this world and confounds the wise with them. He, so uh, I'm a fool for Christ. And if God wants to use me in a way, like I know that this, what's going on isn't just about me. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to pastor a church every day. Yeah. Like I, I, one of my values is teachability. Like I, I want to keep learning all the time. And I really, I mean, don't tell people. And if you're listening, don't tell the people in our church, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. It reminds me like the Steve Jobs quote, like be hungry, be foolish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, don't get too serious that you can't have fun with it. Yeah. Humble, but, hungry, and something else. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, so he just... He's like the definition. He's just having fun building Apple computers. You know, yeah. it's like you're having fun building a church, building a community. Yes. And, and, uh, and nothing should be planned. And, and you know, and, and yeah, I think if you know what you're doing all the time, you're probably not doing enough that God would want to be involved in. Like if it's not big enough that you can't handle it. Yeah. Like if I can handle everything I'm doing, I'm probably not trusting God for anything. Yeah. Right. So I want to be out, and I am out beyond what I know. And what I know I can accomplish, even in my personal life, I really can't live the life that God's called me to do. I need him to do it every day. Yeah. Right. Awesome. He, he's he's smarter, better, more equipped, more powerful than I am. So if I just grab onto his hand and run with him, I'll, I'll be better off all the time. Yeah. 
where you can trust them and, and do some of the foolish things and yeah. hopefully he'll guide you through the way. Yeah. The, it, it seems it, it, done for, pretty if, well for you. Yeah. First Corinthians, uh, uh, I think it's chapter one, verse 13. I'm guessing on that. He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so when I was in graduate school and I was literally, this was a thing for me. I was looking at all my friends thinking, I don't belong in ministry because I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough at what I do. Yep. And then I thought, well, God's called me. He wants me to do this. So I'll just have to trust him through it. And when I look backwards, uh, he did. He uses a foolish thing, really, to bring honor to his name, and I love that. Yeah, that 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 makes it, that makes it fun to me and, and creative and different. I yeah. guess you know. So, yeah. uh, well, let's talk. You got to college. Yes, we got kind of there. So and, I went and, to University of Minnesota Duluth. Okay, Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Yep. Uh, majored in. It started out as a theater major for two weeks. Then I realized I'm Theater not going to fit in this department. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to uh, mass communications. I took almost all my upper division classes ahead of time while I was a freshman. Because in those days, you went into a gymnasium and pulled cards for the classes. And I talked to some upperclassmen, and they pulled cards for me. So I got into classes that I wasn't supposed to be in. And so I took those. And I got all my uh, – and then I switched to elementary ed because that's where my uh, girlfriend was <laughs> – no, that's uh, Bonnie and I both majored in elementary ed. Okay, gotcha. But, but so I switched to that because I wanted to be an educator, and so cool. then I ended up partway through that, uh, realizing God wanted me to be a pastor. I was working as a youth director in a church, kind of volunteering, and then getting paid ten dollars a week for gas, huh. and working in a nursing home as a CNA, wow. and going to college full time, uh, and got married in the middle of that, and so I was oh. doing all of that. And realized that uh, God had a plan for me to be a pastor. And so I flipped majors to elementary ed. Went on to a year of Bible sc- school at Northwestern College in St. Paul. And then four years of seminary or graduate school. Three at Bethel Seminary in St. Paul. Got it. And one at North Park Seminary in Chicago. That's where you graduated? Or? I graduated. I transferred all my credits back to Bethel because I had been there three years. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. But I had to, to stay in the denomination that we were in. At, in those days, you had to spend one year on campus in the seminary. I so we did that. So I had nine years post high school. Wow. And I was sick of it by the time I got done. That's a lot of education. Crazy sick, yeah. What's the cost on something like that? I have no idea. Just <laughs> I paid off my loans, my student loans, two years before the flood in Grand yep. Forks. Yep. And then I took out a SBA loan <laughs> to repair my house. <laughs> so gotcha. all I remember is it was a lot of debt. Yeah, it's uh, it's extraordinary in college what yeah. the debt is to, to It's not near what it costs now, but at that oh, time yeah. it felt significant, right. yeah. Nine years, that's, that's like doctorate level. Yeah. I mean, yep. that's, uh, that's so a master's for a pastor is in those days was four years. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it's a four, it's a master's degree a after four, year four years of, of college. And then with a year of Bible in there. So here, here's what happened. I, I was in college wow. and I realized God wanted me to be a pastor. And I thought I've never read the Bible. So I should go to Bible school for a year so that I can read the Bible once before I become a pastor. And I thought that's actually a massively valuable year. Okay. Because in seminary, in graduate school, you're studying about the Bible and you're studying other things. You're not just oh. studying the Bible. Okay. So as a Christ follower and as someone who's going to teach the Bible, I thought, I better read it at least once. <laughs> so, so I went to school. I went to, to school. That. So is that, is that, okay, that was in, what, what years was this? Uh, I graduated high school in 77. By 82, I was, let's see, I think that's, I was down in college, uh, year of Bible school, so... Yeah, right in that area. Okay. Right Nine of those. Mid-80s. Or, yeah. Um, and, and I uh, moved to Grand Forks in 1991, November. Okay. So this is all leading up to that. What? So if you go if you go to be a pastor today or get your master's, is it the same process? Uh, or is it without, You're not required to do the year of co- uh, Bible school, but okay. f- you usually have your undergrad, Yep. and then you have your gra- seminary. It, a lot of it's done online now. I think you can do a seminary, uh, Master Divinity, it's called, in three years or two and a half years now. Gotcha. It used to be a four-year. Okay, deal. so it's a little bit better. Yeah, l- l- may, may. but it's still a, a big deal. Right. I mean, Absolutely. most pastors that are that have been to seminary, uh, they've invested quite a bit of education into that. Right. Because it's, I mean, it's a crazy job. It, it's, it's, I, not, yeah. it's not, uh, like I recommend nobody, Nobody to become a pastor, <laughs> unless you know God wants you to be a pastor. Wow! And if God wants you to be, uh, run hard towards it. But if you can get away, get away. Yeah, you got to be pretty strong-willed. I mean, especially to get through the credits of that. And yeah, and, and you have you have spiritual pressure. 
Like I, I believe in okay. an enemy of God, so there's a spiritual component to that where the enemy of God wants to destroy your life if you can. Gotcha. And you have people pressures, and you have people who love you, hate you, and are angry with you all at the same time. Wow. You know, and so uh, it's like doing anything. Uh, the people part of it is beautiful and painful. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I I never, uh, until I became a lead pastor, I don't think I ever had anybody that I was aware of that hated me. Wow. Like, as soon as I became a leader yep. or a lead pastor, I realized, oh, these people just dislike me just because of who I am. Now, I mean, not even who I am, but because of what I do. Right. Right. Well, and so you have to be able to suck that up and realize, okay, I'm clear where I am with God. Even if someone doesn't like me, I'm still okay with Jesus. Wow. That's... Uh, and th- and that's truth. Like when you start putting yourself out there, and you yeah. know you're doing, it's like you're gonna you're gonna have some hate. I mean, it's just it's yes. just what it is. And and um, but I used like you know when I went into business with my dad, and he was my main motivation. Yeah, because he he didn't want to see me succeed. He really didn't. It's it's sad to say, but I could just feel that pressure that hey, you're gonna fail. Mm. Um, and you get the pressure from others. It's like why would you do that? You should just keep keep your job and yeah. and play it safe but i used it as just pure gasoline i just yeah. dumped it on my fire and which and is took part off. of that, that motivation like like for me it's uh i want everybody to experience what i've experienced with jesus right yeah. and so you, you find whatever it is that drives you and capitalize on that i you, thinking of fathers uh my dad became a christ father when i was in college okay but uh towards the, the end of his life and especially when he would come here to grand forks he lived in duluth okay uh and i would <laughs> I would sit out there or be preaching and I'd look out, my dad's sitting out there and tears coming down his eyes. Mm. And that was a big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, I think he watched me and my brothers and our family change because of Jesus. And I, there was like, I, without this being uh, like, I think my dad was really proud of me at the end. I didn't do it for him, but I love that he loved what I was doing. That's cool. Yeah. And my mom as well. My, my mom was all in right after my, uh, I think it was my sophomore or junior year, she gave her life to Christ too. And oh, okay. she and I would pray together and read Bible together. Uh, I was a very close relationship. And my dad was kind of on the outside of that. Okay. And your dad kind of fell into it a little late, yes. like you said, in yeah. college. And then, yeah, well, that's cool. That's awesome. And uh, it sure gives you a lot of support then and, yeah. and a lot of satisfaction. Yeah. And my wife, Bonnie, uh, like, yeah, all in. <laughs> all in. Yeah. She, she, I mean, you, you couldn't. I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a lot of dedication. I mean, right out of the gate too. It's like you, you, everyone had to support you to go back in and and do your message and you're doing phenomenal things today. So what, what, what happened? Why did you trek to Forks? I lived out in Connecticut. I was an associate pastor out in uh, Manchester, Connecticut. Absolutely loved it. Oh, you moved out there from Proctor. Okay. So so my path was I went from Proctor uh, to Minneapolis, St. Paul for school, school. Chicago for one year, and then from Chicago, I moved out to New England, Connecticut. Got it. And so I was out there five and a half years as an associate pastor in a great church, Trinity Covenant Church. Yeah. On 302 Hackmatack Street. (laughs) You Uh, still know it today? And absolutely loved it out there. I thought I was going to stay for the rest of my life. And the senior pastor had asked me to take over when he was done. I was in my early 30s. He was uh, 63 or 64. Uh, I went away for a while and uh, prayed about it. I took a little mini retreat. And I I couldn't get to uh, yes. Uh, I felt like I wanted to, but I couldn't get, I couldn't hear from the Lord. And I, he doesn't like talk out loud to me, but I, there was just enough in me that I realized, oh, this isn't what God wants me to do. And so I came back and said no. And then I, uh, I think everybody was shocked. I think I was shocked. Uh, and the, I released my resume to some of the people who do that in churches and a little church in East Grand Forks, Minnesota called and said, we'd like you to do an interview. And so I did a phone interview, and then I came out here uh, to visit the church. It was about 50, 60 people at the time. And I thought, yeah, no. <laughs> it's just like, like we were closer to family. Your vision was different. Yeah. And I, I realized uh, we'd be closer to family and stuff. And so they called back and asked me to come back and uh, do a candidation Sunday where you preach and stuff like that. And that they were kind of saying, we think you're the guy. And uh, we were celebrating our 100th anniversary at the church out in New England. 
And uh, one of my buddies, and I was re- really wrestling with it, thinking, I don't, okay. it was so flat. And so, so like there, there was no hill, there was no lakes. And I had grown up in Northern Minnesota on a lake and, yes, and yeah. all this stuff. And I, and the church was smaller than I dreamed of and all that stuff. And, uh, and I was moving closer to family. So this is, may sound kind of weird to people. Part of my head thought, you know, to really follow Jesus well, you need to sacrifice and give up everything. And so the idea of moving closer to family. I was coming here? Yeah, it didn't feel holy to me. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And one of my buddies said, you know, there's maybe God wants your grandkids or your kids to grow up near their grandparents. And maybe there's nothing wrong with moving closer to family. And okay. so I sat down with Bonnie and I made, literally, I'm not a list guy, but I made a list of all the reasons why I didn't want to go. And none of them were godly. Mm. And so I went back to the church and I said, you know what? I'll come out and do an interview and we'll see where God wow. takes us. And so I came back, interviewed and said yes and moved my family here November. We arrived November 5th, 1991. 36 inches of snow. <laughs> all the free, all the highways were closed and uh, uh, Minneapolis was crazy. Our truck froze or the diesel fuel in our truck. I didn't know a thing about that. Oh uh, yeah. Gelled. gelled on the highway. <laughs> and so we had to uh, get towed into St. Cloud overnight. And yeah, and then oh. we moved in. My, uh, we unloaded our truck. We, we had a 26 foot U-Haul, a little 12 foot trailer behind that. My wife, Bonnie was driving a car, pulling our camper. We had wow. two kids at the time and a cockatiel flying around inside the cab of the truck. <laughs> oh my <laughs> had a God. Cockatiel. It was fun. <laughs> and then I got in, we unloaded our truck and the chairman of the church pulled me aside and he said, your grandma died while you were traveling. Oh. And they would like you to go home and do the be a part of the funeral, and so which I had no idea, and so we found a suit coat in our luggage and stuff like that, and some clothes, and we drove past the church once in East Grand Forks and went to Duluth. Our first our first week of ministry. Our first was, week, yeah. geez, you uh, so you made this list. I just want to dive yeah. into that a little bit. So. I don't know if I followed all the way through, but yeah. I think it, this is. Uh, hopefully, you still have this list. I don't. Yeah, I <laughs> maybe don't. you can remake that and, and yeah. show. Uh, it was all Grand kinds Fork. of reasons why I didn't want to be here. <laughs> like and, the, uh, and 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 why did so? Then how did you turn those into a motivation? You said it was, it was my buddy. Is my buddy pulled me aside and said, you know, uh, you look at the, the your your reasons for not going. Is that really what God wants you to do, or is that just you? And I realized, oh, God, God is moving me there. All these reasons of why I didn't want to go were not the kinds of reasons that I would ever want to say I didn't go here because of this. I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. Yeah. And they were all really selfish or or misunderstood religious reasons. Like, wow. I don't think it's godly to move closer to family. Or I don't want to just move because it's close to family. I'd, I'd move anywhere in the world, but I couldn't get in my head that maybe God would want me closer. And he did. And it was great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a. It's a. It's a neat list. Yeah. I've never. I've never. Oh, I wonder how you could adapt that in business somehow. And uh, you'd have to give up a lot. Well, you know, one of the I things. I ended up pouring concrete. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the idea of. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we don't do things. Right. And some of the when you think about them, if you actually write them down and look at them, the reason I don't want to do this is because people will laugh at me or I might fail. Right. Those aren't good reasons. Right. Right, and so you start looking at that, and, and I don't want to stand in. I like I didn't want to stand from every. Well, the reason I didn't take that church is because, you know, it was too small, or because uh, it was close to family. That's just those. Those were all dumb reasons when I look back now. Yeah, and you're a complete visionary. I mean, uh, I, that's uh, that's it, where it God has like made it. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't your vision, but you you could mold it. Maybe you had some. Yeah. Well, the church was when I started to interview yeah. and talk deeper, the church really was willing to take risks and they did. I mean, that that's when you, when you look at what's happened in the church, 90% of what's happened is because of the people that are there, wow. that they were willing to say yes to things and they were willing to, to risk losing everything. Right. I, I, someone asked me like my, it was my second or third year, you know, what was making things work? And I said, well, I, I don't know other than I'm, I'm willing to risk failing. Yeah. Right. I'm willing to risk being fired uh, if things don't go well or if they don't like me, but I have to push and pursue what God's put out in front of me. Yeah. I love that. And, taking risk is. Yeah. And in spiritual language, you call that faith, right? Got it. That you okay. have faith because I'm going to put my faith in something that God has said, you know, 
like, like there's a basic command to go into all the world and teach the good news, preach the good news, or to tell, tell people about Jesus, right? Yeah. And that is like essential. And I think a lot of followers of Jesus or a lot of pastors, we play it safe and we stay in our little bubble with our own people and we don't press out. And so I started, like when I first moved here, I started officing, so to speak, at a coffee shop so I could meet people, right? Mm. And I started hanging out in places where people were because I could go from a Sunday morning to a Sunday morning and no one would enter our church because it was a small church in East Grand Forks yeah. and you know people didn't wander into churches. And I thought if if we're going to reach people, I got to go out and be with people. I interviewed wow. like casually like a hundred different people in town, like a, a grocery store or at Target. I'd turn around and say, hey, "Have you ever heard of Hope Covenant Church?" And there was one person wow. who had heard of the church, and he turned to his. I'm, I'm not kidding now. He he turned to his wife and said, "That's the church across the street, right?" And she said, "Yes." And they weren't sure they'd heard of it. And I thought that's not safe for a church to be so quiet that nobody knows that they represent Jesus. Wow. And so that was one of the things I want everybody in our community to know that the church, not just Hope Church, but that the church is here and that we love Jesus and that if you are in a crisis moment, if you're in a beautiful moment, if you're in a moment where you realize, I want something about Jesus in my life, find find a place. And so if nobody knows about us, they're not going to know. So you literally took it upon yourself. I'm going to try to go find 100 people each week. Not each week, oh. just a total. Total, okay. Yeah, so I found 100 people gradually. Filled that church, though, right? Our- yeah, well, I just asked if anybody had heard about it. And then then okay. I, remember the, uh, I remember the first visitor to our church. It was several weeks in, right? I, I would get up every Sunday uh, during the offering time. This, this is a great story. So I, in, in my head, I knew someday people would visit our church. We didn't have any visitors in those days. That when I first came. Sure. So I would get up. My first Sunday got up. I introduced the offering. And I said, hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, please don't feel obligated as the basket comes in front of you. And we still say that kind of that, that's thing awesome. to know. Because right? I didn't want people to feel like they had to give when you come because money's a big deal. Yes. Right? And so I'd say that it, the first time I did it, one of the guys stood up. There's no guests here <laughs> during the service. And I, I said, you know, uh, I'm going to say this every Sunday because there will be guests here someday. Oh, Cool. And uh, I remember our first visitor was a college student, blonde hair with her boyfriend. Her name was Beth. And I, I, like, I, I was probably crazy. I looked at her. I, oh, my goodness. We got a visitor. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I ran after her after service. I said, what brought you here? She goes, she went to the same flavor church in another town. And she looked up Covenant churches. And wow. she came because of a Covenant church. And then she brought a friend. And then she brought another friend. And there was a cluster of like four college students back then. You were just yeah, I was like stoked. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, another lady wandered in the church one day uh, during the week, and I was like, <laughs> I was, I was like, uh, I don't know. I just ran and so this is just... called someone. Someone's here. Someone's here. <laughs> like, we got a visitor. <laughs> we got a visitor. That yeah. is that is awesome. Yeah. yeah so I'd invite everybody I'd encounter to church. And uh, and so suddenly they started becoming followers. Maybe they yeah. maybe they didn't yeah, go no, to a yeah. church. Well, uh, yes, I did Beth's wedding. Uh, yeah, uh, the other gal who wandered in, her husband, uh, I can't remember her first name, her husband was Hank, and they became followers. Yeah. and Wow. Yeah, so that's, again, that's, when, when you think about what you're doing and stuff, like be clear about what your purpose is and what your mission is, and then just just run towards it or walk towards it every day. You know, why does, why does God have you on earth? Right. I think driving purpose, it's, you, you have to figure out your purpose. Yeah. The, the purpose will drive the outcome. You can't just like, I just want to make money. And then, and then that's not your purpose. So yeah. if that's it the is only for thing some dri- people. And, and that's what's, yeah. that's what makes them miserable. Cause they realize that wasn't the thing that I needed. I, I thought, you know, for some people, I, I thought if I made my first million or my first 3 million or my first 5 million, then everything would be fine. And you realize how empty that is. It, there has to is. be a purpose beyond money. Yeah, has to be, and and I think it drives it drives the outcome. I mean, yeah. it's just, and you feel more satisfied, like me helping people today with investments or business or whatever I can do, uh, real estate transactions. It's like I can change their life they, if they buy one duplex because of me, or they, yeah, I I, I will consult them through that, and it's going to change their life. It, when they get older, they're going to have this thing that's paid for or whatever that will support their family more than just a 401k or whatever. So that's yeah. like, I get fulfilled by just helping people now. That's and, good. And, and I have a lot of purpose to that. It's like, I love business. I love doing deals. I love creating new things. 
and 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 then when I can help people, besides, it's like it's really yeah. So you take that passion of recreation or new creation or entrepreneurship, yep, and you multiply that into something that is beneficial for others. If your drive is just to make new stuff, you, yep. you can do that in your garage, right? But your drive is to make new stuff and to help people, so that makes it even more significant and more purposeful. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, that's good. And you want to create just like you're creating a, a larger church all the time. You're creating new opportunities for people. We we're talking about your daycare before this. I yeah. mean, it's just like there's new opportunities because you know people like what you're doing. People like your service. People like how you see things. Yeah. And uh, you got good people now. Well, they, so they're leveraging you. It's the team. And and yeah, yeah and. I just did we have, right. I think at our church right now on the church proper, we have 32 staff. Okay. Right. When you add in the childcare center and the mall and <laughs> all of that, we have, we employ over a hundred people. Wow. Which is crazy. Yes. Right. And, but it's all for a purpose. Like uh, one of our axioms or one of our values is uh, everybody's made on purpose for a purpose. Oh, right? I like that, that. That God has us all here on purpose for a purpose. Okay. And it's helping people discover why does God have me here? And that's what happened to me when I was a kid. I realized God wanted me to be a pastor. And I don't think it's always career-driven, right? I don't think there's necessarily a certain job for everybody. Yeah. But there's a purpose in your heart. Like, like I, I, I talk to my kids or other people. You know, the, the career you do may be the vehicle where you get to do the real thing that God wants you to do. That may pay the bills so that you can do this real thing. Yes. Right? Or this impact on a kid or coaching or doing something. Your real purpose is to help spread this love of Jesus and it's however you do that is, yeah. do that, is you know grab that and, but everybody's made on purpose for a purpose I, I don't like think that. anybody's I, ever I born that. accidentally you no know, no yeah and, and everyone, had, everyone has their strengths and their weaknesses and, yeah. and their purpose of what they want to do in life and what their biggest impact can be I, and we, we do that in our business all the time it's like things may move around that's just the way it is yeah. you're going to figure out where you're passionate um, so talk to me I, I need to how did you recreate recruit more and more people to this church. Like you went from east side, you you, yeah. you made the trek over the bridge at some point. Yeah, so that was uh, the year before the flood. Oh, okay. So we started to uh, grow in our building. We ran out of rooms. So we started having two services, setting up chairs in the back hallway. Oh. Uh, the, the worship center at that time, or the sanctuary we called it, uh, sat about 140 people comfortably. And, okay. and so when we moved to the Grand Forks side, we spent a little bit of time in the... East Grand Forks Theater. Oh, okay. And at, during that time, we increased our size to about 175 people or so. Then we moved to a rented spot in a storefront in the Grand Cities Mall, or what at that time was South Forks Plaza. So, yes. And we had, where our kids center is now, that was our whole worship center and our whole church. We had gates. Uh, we didn't have a door. And uh, it was a temporary setting spot where we bought a piece of property. We're, we're going to buy a piece of property on the south end of Grand Forks to build a building. Oh, and when we were there, we realized this is amazing. Uh, a turning point for me was a day a lady had come down from Kmart with her grocery cart, drove her grocery cart up the aisle of our worship center because we didn't have doors, right? <laughs> she just drove it right up there, and she she was crying. And I was upstairs in my office looking out the window, and I uh, we had a window into the worship center, kind of. Okay. I looked down there, and she and I went down and asked her if everything was okay, and she said, "Well, I found out my sister died today." And she said, I knew there was a church in here, and so I wanted to come and pray. Wow. And so I talked to her and prayed with her a little bit, and, and I thought, you know, when we had a proper building on a corner in a, with pews and a steeple and a bell, nobody hardly ever wandered in. Yeah. Right? And in the mall here, people wander into our church all the time, and I thought, yeah. I don't ever want to lose that. Yeah. And so I started this wrestling thing in my head. Why do we want to build a place where... We're, re, we're removed from where the flow of traffic is. Right. And so we started, we talked to the first owner of the mall and we said, would you be willing to sell us the anchor, what was called the pavilion? It was an empty warehouse. Okay. It was, but they used to have car shows and hunting shows and stuff there. Okay. And he said no. And so we thought, okay, what do we, so we'll keep planning our building, but we want to, you know, stay effective here in the mall. Then he sold the mall to another owner. And I went and asked them, would you be willing to sell us an anchor? And they said no. And then I remember going downtown to the what was, the mall that was downtown. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, talking to the owner there, uh, if he'd ever be willing to sell us a space in the mall there. Oh, okay. And he said, no, we're a retail facility. 
And then the third owner of the Grand Cities Mall, the South Forks Plaza, was a group from Denver, and they came and visited with our church leadership, and we cast a vision for us being the largest anchor store in the mall at that time. And he said, do you really think you can do that? And I said, yes. And one of the men in the church talked about our vision, and I realized that something had transferred in our the men there around the table and the ladies that were around the table. They started talking about our vision rather than Pastor Paul's vision oh, and our wow. vision to reach more and more people. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, we believe this, not just I believe this. And so he, that guy actually went back to the mall owners in Denver, Herzog and Sons, and okay. they sold us the pavilion. Oh, wow. And then we started leasing more space. And then in 2015, they had put the mall up for sale, and we realized if we want to move, it's going to cost us a gargantuan amount of money just to build equivalent space that we have now. Yeah. And so it was cheaper for us to buy the 27 acres of land, and they threw the mall in. (laughs) They threw the land, they threw the mall in. It was cheaper for us to do that than to relocate. Wow. And uh, personally, we loved it there. Yeah. Because we have like DMV. Yeah. Beauty Salon, Ace Hardware, all all those stores, people wander around. They, people sit in our church all the time, don't realize they're in a church, right? They're just there, and they partway through their, they, they realize we're in a church. And then they start to ask questions and hang out. And people have come from sitting out on our benches out in front of our worship center to someday attending church. That's so freaking smart to have. I mean, you're right. I'm thinking some of the churches on the South End, I think it was an evangelical one. It's just out there. Yeah. It's just you only And there's go. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But and, that wasn't our thing. And it's the only way they can keep people on the site and, and you know what I mean? Sundays, it was yeah. that, that was really it. And then no one's around there really. So placing it in a mall, I mean, having people around, I, I, it's just, it's a business mindset and, a, yeah. and it's just like be where people, you can impact more people here because- you were out in a grocery store asking people, hey, have you heard of Hope Church? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. and, and to me, like, I don't, it, it's not necessarily about the church. Yeah. I want to make sure that, pe- like, I really believe if people hang out at our church, they'll figure out who Jesus is. That's, okay. he, Jesus is the goal, not, not the church. Not the church. Right, the church is a vehicle whereby we help people discover who Jesus is and yeah. walk with him and stuff. And the same with our child care center, the owning of the mall. Uh, we talked about entrepreneurship. Yeah. I, I like to refer to it as pastorpreneur. Pastorpreneur. <laughs> right. Is you got to trademark that. Yeah. No, it's not mine. I stole it. From, <laughs> I stole it from somebody else. Right. But the idea that we want to create businesses and opportunities and serve people in a way that is beautiful and wonderful. Like we use, we have businesses that come in and rent our facility all the time as a church. They rent our church. We serve them well. And, uh, and hopefully in our serving them well, they say this church is kind of cool. And then they'll, gradually end up attending some services or asking questions and hopefully prayerfully they end up following Jesus. And so our child care center, we're going to open up a coffee shop in the mall and we're going to run it as a church or some families from the church with a mission mindset that says we're doing this to be develop this great hospitality. But in the background, we are hoping that someday some of our customers end up followers of Jesus. So you serve people well and it opens their hearts. Yeah. Like you do, uh, there, in Acts chapter two forty two, it says the people of God did good deeds, which created great favor, which opened doors to the gospel, and that's what we want to do. That we want to serve people well, so that their hearts are opened, and so that we can tell them about Jesus. Wow, it's a it's a it's a strong impact you got there, and and uh, we love that. And that's why you've grown probably so much as as you have. I mean, you've yeah, and and the like again. People invite their friends. Yeah. It's not just all our staff or the team here doing all the work. It's people in the church believe of what we're talking about. They believe in Jesus. They want everybody they know to discover him or at least have the choice. Right. Well, um, it was the the compound effect. I mean, yeah. you I'm I was there fifteen with one of my young girlfriends and in, yeah. in high school and I bring my family there and, and you know, we enjoy it today. So it's like, yeah. and, and then I tell wanted, others. She wanted you to discover who Jesus was. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. that's why she brought you to church. And th- that's, that's what we do. Right. I was, oh, I was a confirmed Lutheran, but I didn't, my, my family wasn't coming with me. Like I, I just stepped out of my own comfort zone. I thought I wanted to be normal. So I, I, I was like, I, I'm going to go get myself confirmed in my little town of Thompson. Oh, that's, see, so yeah. I just brought myself to, Hey, you know, I, I want to learn more. That's really um, cool. Yeah. That's God wooing you. Right. 
right? So. And even as a little kid, 15-year-old kid saying, I, I, w- I want to learn more about Jesus, about God, like God's had his hand on you and he's He's got you on a path on purpose. Yes. Yeah, so, and, you know, even attending your church, it's like, I'd rather attend a church service where I can have fun. Uh, it, it's your vision. It's how you are. Well, you it's not just tell. me. It's ours. Yeah. yeah. And and I just, you know, you like to be around that type of church. And uh, like I said, my wife's very Catholic and, and yeah. it's fine. Um, it's just a very different service. Yeah. It's not as much, I don't feel as in depth with it. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the word gospel means good news. Yeah. And so we want to emphasize the good news of Jesus. Yes. There's enough bad news in the culture. Right, that's also one of our axioms is that uh, we are good news givers. We want to make sure that yeah. the message that we're communicating, like we don't hide from sin, or we do, we still talk about sin and all that, but all the time when we do that, there's still this good news answer, right? Yes. That that Jesus cares for people, Jesus loves people, Jesus will forgive us, and Jesus will help us live a better life. You know, oh, so I like it's, that. it's, that's that's the core message. Yes, I love that, and when, and so. Let's talk about a little bit where where Hope Church is going because I think yeah. you guys you guys don't have limits that you yeah. well, you're, yeah. you're 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 constantly expanding. You have big ideas, which I love because I'm the same way. I'm the same person yeah. that way. Um, so what what's your visions? Where where do you want so to take this? Some of the things that we're working on right now is uh, we want to develop an internship program, and we're just just on the cusp of that where we're taking young college age kids and high school kids and we're trying to build into them so that they can be effective in their businesses or their careers. And uh, we have a communications intern right now. We have uh, a guy that's leaving the military that the military is helping him uh, land at Hope. And uh, we're going to help train him in hopefully some pastoral things, but he's going to be doing a different job on the side. And then wow. we want to eventually do that so that uh, we can have – it's going to be a funding issue, but uh, so that we have college students where we can learn, teach them technology uh, for running church tech, tech uh, communications, ministry, different things, right, where we're training young people to be effective. Wow. Right? That's, a, that's a piece of what we're looking at. We have this mall property that we would love to develop. We have 27 acres, a lot of it blacktop. And blacktop isn't that attractive, right? So, and especially ours because yeah. those holes, oh, right? You, you could lose. You could, you could have a small family live in one of some of those <laughs> divots. Well, it's funny you say that. I think uh, North Dakota has the, and I only know this because I'm a concrete guy, yeah. but it's the most per capita. Like, there's more concrete here, and still, most of the concrete can't even survive here. Right. I right. mean, it's just brutal. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and so, we want to eventually develop the outlots. Yeah. around the mall so that it becomes a place we're the geographical center of our community. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so we, we want to make that like in my dreams, I want people who visit Grand Forks to go to the Ralph and see the Ralph, show them the Ralph, the yes. largest worship center in North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More people well, worship there on a weekend than anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then take them to the Ralph, take them downtown, show them the downtown, but hang out on the property where we, so we'd love to have a, uh, Nice restaurant there, uh, a water feature, some walkability space, uh, maybe some apart. Uh, the dream really is to create a space where people want to hang out, wow. like where pe- kids can play. Maybe we'll have a playground there. We actually have a playground behind our church yeah. now yeah. where people will hang out as families and spend a day and then realize, oh my goodness, there's a church here, <laughs> right? So that uh, incognito, the love of Jesus, kind of just serving people and hanging out. And so developing that and... Uh, yeah, that's some of what we're we're dreaming of. Yeah, and I w- I would love someday to start another congregation, Hope okay. Church East or Hope Church West or something oh. like that, because uh, new churches attract more people. Yes, and so if we can do that again, the bottom line on everything is helping to reach more people for Jesus. Right. Well, I I think while your church you you stay on the top of technology, so you're teaching young kids how to about technology. You're on. I mean, you can if. If you don't want to go to the church, you could stream it on YouTube. Yeah. You could stream it anywhere, and and I think that that helps me a lot. If I'm not able to make the service, I can yeah. watch it at least and and hear the message. So, um, but I think you you just stay in the forefront. You have a big vision, and hey, if you're looking to develop in Grand Forks, um, I'm a real estate developer, so let's well, get together. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you have any interest, reach out either DM, message us. Put a yeah. we'll put a link below and and uh, get a hold of us. Um, let's see if we can get something inspiring around this church and keep Part of the dream there is, uh, I've heard of, I was talking to a developer in town who 
he taught me. And, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, I don't know what I've, I've said that before. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just try to learn from anybody, right? Yep. So ground leases, yep. right? If we can create a space where uh, we can work with a developer and my dream is someday when I'm gone and dead that we'll have this influx of financial capacity that we can use to serve the community. Yes. Right? And so if we can uh, create properties that have a ongoing income for the church someday mm-hmm. that they can distribute then throughout the community. One of the values of our church is we want to be generous to everybody. And so we are, that's part of the dream for the mall is gotcha. that the businesses and the things that we do help fund ministry beyond the offerings. Like everything we do now is gifts from people, which is amazing. We have an incredibly generous congregation. Yes. Right. And so, but if we can have some of these, like our child care center and stuff that where we're uh, creating income for future ministry. I love that. Is what I'm hoping. Oh, that's that's advanced thinking. I mean, especially if you have all the blacktop that's available yeah. to uh, yeah, do it, Actually, with. we'd be willing to sell some of that blacktop if you want a chunk. It's yeah. falling out. Just go I, grab a piece. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right? Um, you know, even ground lease, I mean, if you're talking development, that's, um, you may be able to even, it's hard in ground leases because it's hard to exit. The only yeah. one you can exit to, you have to approve. It's like working on university land or something. They okay. have to approve everything you do. Uh, they have some control, and you want some control. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and so not me, the team. The, like the I, team, I'm not well, a control. You, I'm not a control freak. You need to. You don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't want specific things right by a church, but right. You have a vision, and and uh, I think you'll help support the business as well. Absolutely. Which which. I think is good for any. If if a company has great leads, they're making money, you're making money for church in the long run, that's what you want to get to. But even getting a piece of the equity of the business and trying to, you know, uh, there's so many models out there. You just get creative yeah. and and um, whether it's ground lease or however you end up doing yeah, it, we, it supports the project to get it off the ground even. Yeah. Because many people don't have the money to to get it off the ground. Yeah, well, we could you, do design build. Yeah. If we needed to. Yeah. Yep. And support them and then yeah. and then have a piece of the equity or control some of the what goes on there and hey it might get your might get your business off the ground because if you have the land that's honestly 50% of the yeah. puzzle and we're on South Washington and 17th yeah. very busy intersections very busy area in the community S- uh, geographical center i think it has potential to be amazing it was it was i mean i don't, I don't want to be overly critical but it was kind of a wreck when it was we, when we bought it, and our again, our dream is to make something beautiful there. Yeah, that that the community's not so like when I used to drive by, right before we owned it, you turn and you look around for something to look at. I would love it to be beautiful enough where people want to look at what's going on. There. Look at it, yeah. Well, it's 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 changed a little bit. The, yeah, uh, Craigs were able to get that Kmart together. Yes. That's that's nice. So it's it's good. It's good that the good things are happening around there. I think it's it's feasible. I mean, there's. Yeah. Uh, they ain't giving away land anymore. No, no, and uh, <laughs> and we were able to acquire it. And again, the 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 people from the church that took the risk and said, "Let's do that." Like it was it was a deal. It was a it was not a no brainer to buy a mall, right, for a church, right. I, and I, so I don't think many people in your shoes would have done that. But yeah, it was uh, our vote when we did it was ninety seven percent in favor. Had we voted two weeks before, I'm pretty sure that it would have been no. And so we just worked for a year. Wow. Uh, we had a meeting a month discussing the possibility, answering questions of why we shouldn't or why we should. Uh, the main research team on the mall voted no to buy it and <laughs> all those things. And we had to keep working at it Holy. and uh, get, you know, I don't remember what size we were at that time, but uh, to get the people to the point where we were at least open to say, you know, does God want us to do this rather than just the automatic no? Because it's always easier to say no. It's just not always right. Right. It's not all, right, yes isn't always right either. Right. But I think God, I think with the average person, God would do more with you and through you if you're willing to take a risk of failure. Yeah. Or w- what really is take a step of faith, right? D- like God, would you want? Do you want me just to exist, or do you want me to make an impact? And I think God would love everybody to make an impact in some way. Absolutely no. I, I I the theme of this podcast is not follow the herd. It's yeah. it's 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 comfortable just following along, but at some point, if you want to take your own path, it's going to be a little risky. Yeah, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. There's going to be unknowns. You have to trust your instincts, and if you're not trusting your instincts, you're not going to follow the path that's uh, going to lead you to the most success. Because you got to if you take a little risk, there's going to be high reward. 
Not always. Yes. But it can be. So even, uh, I'm thinking this off the top of my head, even a person who says, you know, really, I'm not a leader, I'm a follower. Even in your following, you can step to the side and put your arm around somebody and influence that person. Everybody has a a possibility of influence, right? And so the rest of the herd may be just walking, but if you, in the herd, and I don't want to rob your podcast, but even in the herd, if you could lead there from the middle of the pack or from the second chair and care for someone next to you, influence them, for their success, for their for their growth, right? That's different than everybody else in the herd. Yes. Most people in the herd just go to work, do their thing, come home, uh, crack a beer, sit on the couch, and exist. Yep. And I don't think God just wants you to exist. I think he w- wants you to be made on purpose for a purpose. Yes. Right? And so uh, if, if in your followership you just step to the side and put your arm around somebody and say, how can I help him be more successful? How can I help her be more successful? How can I make an impact on that one person that yeah. makes your life purposeful? Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, I got two questions for you too. Okay. You kind of probably stole my last question a little bit, Sorry. but you're you're good. You're you're, you're just good. Um, um, in, in your in your I guess your vision a little bit, and we talked a little bit about it. Um, where where do you see Pastor Paul in the next five years? What's oh. a, what's a casting a vision in five years? Twenty twenty eight for me what personally, that, what or that? for the church? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk professionally and, and okay. The for me, so I'll be sixty four next week. Got it. And it's uh, the new thirty. Yeah, I like. I don't think I want to retire, but I I do want to spend more time with my wife. I I'm. Uh, I'm somewhat driven, right? And so I, I need to <laughs> I need to ratchet back a little bit and uh, spend more time with Bonnie. Like I, I still, uh, we've been married since we were 20. I still kind of like her. And so I want to I hang out <laughs> with her. But I still want to do what God wants me to do. So I'm uh, five years, 10 years, I'll probably still be here at Hope Church, maybe in a different role. Uh, we are working on building a leadership team right now. Yeah. So that so uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but a year ago I had quadruple bypass. So yeah. I was I was out for several months, mm-hmm. and the church did amazing during that time. the The team stood up, stepped up in a way that I think the average person didn't even realize anything was going on. Wow, that was beautiful. I want to continue to develop that so that if I'm gone for a month or I'm gone for three weeks, that we're still on mission. And I think we have a team that can do that now, and yeah. uh, and then to continue to expand the mission, wow. right? So if I can stay in the role of uh, helping cast vision and create leadership opportunities, uh, even maybe even a little bit more intentionally than I have because I'm spread a little too thin, right? Right. So that's what I see myself doing is supporting, continue to serve the church and do that, as well as taking a little bit more time. I I do these trips to the Holy Land, uh, which are yeah. a blast. I do those on purpose. Because the men and women that go there, all of a sudden you watch their eyes and they realize, oh my goodness, what I've been reading about is real, right? You, you place them on a boat on the Sea of Galilee and then you open up the stories about the Sea of Galilee yeah. and you realize, ah, oh, this is real. Because yeah. you can tend to think, you know, here in the United States and we're so far away that maybe those stories were made up, but you go to the spots where they actually happen and you realize <laughs> that the people that are there now actually believe they actually happened because right. they did happen. There's historical evidence that they happened. Right, and you open up the Bible. That so that's one of the things I'm doing is, like I'm that guy. I'm not, yeah. I, I want to see it. I want yeah. Well, we can fix that in February. Yeah, yeah. you can come with. Yeah, us. Yeah, we're going to Israel. Yeah, good. And so we we do that, and you that's some of the things. It's it's all about trying to c- communicate with people that Jesus is real, that He cares about us and loves us, and so we press that. So five years from now, that's kind of what we'll do until I die. So uh, my grandpa was dead at 52. Okay, I'm 64. I'm on borrowed time now, and I'm loving it. You'll you'll be you'll be 150. That that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Still deliver messages. No, that's awesome. I uh, that's a good vision. I and it's always puts you on the spot a little bit. And you answered this question a little bit, but maybe in a in a summarized fashion, just what if I if I asked you what does unfollow the herd mean to you? Unfollow the herd. Unfollow the herd. I would say, okay, I'm going to twist it a little bit. So Jesus invited people to follow him. Right, if you're going to follow Jesus, that's not herd mentality because very, very few people actually do follow. A lot of people are religious. A lot of people go to church. So, like, I, I would say, get behind Jesus and follow him with a passion. Don't be lukewarm. 
be all in. Yeah. Right. And uh, in that space with Jesus, love him intentionally and learn how to love him. And then, uh, so we close every service this way. Let God love you. I love this, by the way. Love him in return and love others in Jesus' name. Uh, Jesus summarized all of the commands of life into love him, love God, love others. And I start it with 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. says, we love because he first loved us. So if we let God love us first, that infuses, that fuels, that generates all the other love around us. And so we can impact the people, not just out of a feeling in my heart. It's mm-hmm. because I have been loved so intensely by God that uh, I can love others. And the herd doesn't really love each other. I mean, when we look, when we listen to the culture, when we do all of that, and we realize like a crowd, a crowd mentality where people are smashing windows, mm-hmm. uh, stomping on cars, uh, you don't want to just go with what everybody says. You want to step out and think about what life is about. And uh, that's what Jesus did. Right? Wow. He, he came, he left heaven yes. and came to earth. Like he left everything we dream of. We dream of, almost everybody dreams of going to heaven where there's, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, no more mm-hmm. crying, no more mourning. He left that and came here to capture people and to let them experience God's love. Wow. And so we get to step behind him, and I promise you, that's not a herd. Yeah. Most people don't wow. do that. That's awesome. I've actually never heard it that way, so that's, that's really cool it up to just think now. about it. <laughs> yeah. You're good. You're yeah. good. I'm going to... I'm going to have you wrap this up like we do church, but I'm going to say okay. something real quick. We're, uh, just because I, I love how you close even any of your church mm-hmm. services out, and I think it's a strong way to impact everybody and 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 push through. So, um, guys, if you like this type of uh, podcast, um, please share it with somebody. Yeah. Um, share this message with someone. Um, the more shares you get, if you enjoyed this, uh, it helps the channel, it helps grow our community, and it helps share the message. Like, that's what we're trying to do here. So um, please like it, subscribe to it. Make sure you visit Hope Church. If At the bare minimum, check them out. Uh, they have YouTube technology. Um, you can go to gfhope.org. Okay. GF, Grand Forks, Hope, gfhope.org. Yep. And get to everything. You, you get to everything. So... Um, Pastor Paul's made a big impact in my life. I know that he can get through to your life. Um, And so visit them, GF Hope. It is worth your time, I promise you. Um, You want to wrap this up like you do church? Sure. Let's do it. So I'm going to not make an assumption that everybody's an actual follower of Jesus, but here's the thing. If you get behind him and investigate, life will change. So we close every service like this. Go into the world, be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Let God love you. Love him in return and love others in Jesus' name. And then I end with this, go be church, because church is a people, not a place. Mm -hmm. Lord bless you. Have a great day. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you.